Today, uh, Torah and tea, uh, we're doing the portion of Bahalosa. So, um, I want to discuss a, one point in the beginning of the Parsha, and then one at the end of the Parsha. Uh, the Parsha has very different parts, but it starts off with Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe Lemor. So God says, speaks to Moshe, saying that what Daber el Aroin vamarta elov. Speak to Aaron, say to him, Behaloscha es ha neiros. When you light up the lamps, el mul pnei hamenora yairu shivat haneirot. Facing the face of the menorah shall the seven lamps shine. So, the way the menorah was constructed, it had six branches. Three branches to the right, and three branches to the left. And what Hashem is saying to him, when you light the menorah, you shall direct the flames, the wicks, the flames, should all be facing the middle, the center of the menorah. Not straight, not other direction, but to the center of the menorah. Why is that? So, when you uh, look at the various different vessels they had in the uh, temple, when you had the very the different vessels, so you can see that it basically resembles the vessels that one would have in a house. You had a table over there, uh, a shulchan, and you had a uh, mizbeach, which is like a fire to to a uh, uh, stove, you would say. You have a stove and a table. And you also had a candelabra. You had a menorah. So sometimes people can make a mistake and say, what's the purpose of the menorah? They think that the purpose of the menorah that um, should be light over there. So, you know, it was the temple. And the temple didn't have any natural light or not much natural light coming in there. It was uh, covered on the top with the covers and the walls were covered. It doesn't say anything about windows in the... in the. So it was dark in there. So people might mistake and think that why was the purpose of the menorah so that there shall be light inside of the temple. But that's not really the case. So if that was the case then the lights should be spread out as much as possible. So you would not have them all facing the center of the menorah. The fact, Hashem is telling, this is what Rashi says over here. Uh, so he says, uh, why, Rashi says, So that people shouldn't say that he needs the, the light. Now, uh, Rashi over here also explains that Aaron he was the leader of the tribes of the Levites. In the previous portion we discussed last week too, we read about the various different sacrifices that each one of the tribes brought. And it says that uh, Levi didn't get any part in it. So Levi sort of felt bad that he wasn't part, his tribe and he wasn't part with all the other leaders and all the other tribes, everybody else, all the other leaders and all as representatives of the tribes, they all brought gifts 
to the uh, base to the Mishkan when it was started, but not the tribe of Levi and not the Aaron. They didn't do it. Hashem is basically saying to Aaron, "Don't feel bad, because you have the most important job. Uh, they're bringing a one-time gift. You are the one that is." lighting and bringing up the menorah. So you have a very important job, so for you not to feel bad that you lost out, that you missed out, but you have a more important job. What is this idea of lighting the lamps of the menorah? So metaphorically speaking, you know, like everything from Torah, so this is talking about the physical menorah that stood in the temple, but what does this mean to us today, I mean, we don't have the temple. This is talking about something what happened a long time ago. But in conceptually, we have a very similar idea today. The idea that Aaron did, he brought up the lamps. He brought them up. Lamps, we said before, there were seven different lamps. There were three branches on each side, plus the middle one makes seven lamps. The seven lamps, according to the Kabbalah, represent the seven different types of attributes, whether it is the attribute of chesed, kindness, or it's the attribute of gvura, of strictness, uh, whether it's the attribute of tiferes, which is beauty, and so on. There is seven attributes, chesed, gvura, tiferes, netzach, hod, yisod, and malchus. So, uh, the Jewish people can be equated to, actually in the prophet, he equates them to like a candelabra. There are seven different types of expression that the people serve themselves, serve God. Some serve God out of love, some serve God out of fear, and this is something which we have a lamp inherent in our self. We have that soul which is like a lamp of Hashem. Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam. The soul of man is like a lamp. Now, the thing is that that lamp needs to be ignited. It needs to be lit. It needs to be put on fire. So, what it is, is that the various different souls of the different types of categories of people, sometimes they're not lighting, they're not shining, they're not, they don't have an opportunity to sort of bring light and to shine. It's like people who have tremendous amount of potential. They have tremendous qualities, they have tremendous capabilities, but they never actually bring it out into the open so that they can shine or in a way that the world could benefit. Others can benefit from their light, from their shine, from their warmth. So you have to sort of light that neros. Now, what it is, is that uh, sometimes people work hard on their own to achieve uh, greatness, to have their own menorah shine and light. So they work hard at it to try to light their menorah. But sometimes people don't have enough koach, they don't have enough power, they don't have enough strength to be able to really do it all on their own. They need some help from the outside. They need sort of to be inspired uh, 
that need to be pushed in order for them to actually shine. So while they have this tremendous potential, but they need that extra push from someone to push them out so that they can actually begin to shine. And this was actually the job of Aaron, Daber el Aaron. Aaron is considered to be like when you have in 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 the uh, in the uh, the Talmud, it's known as the Shushvinin. Those are like when you have a uh, a wedding, so you have the uh, people that walk the bride and the groom. They're called Shushvinim. They're like support for the bride and for the groom. They're coming together to raise a family. Uh, and you're giving them support. So they need support. So they get the support. Aaron is the one that gives them the support. Now, who's this Aaron? Aaron was one of the seven shepherds. We know a shepherd means that shepherd the Jewish people. Moshe was a shepherd. Aaron was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. I'm not talking that they were in their, actually in their personal lives. Moshe started out as a shepherd. David started out as a shepherd. But they became shepherds of the Jewish people. What it means, shepherds of the Jewish people, it means that they supply them certain inspirational needs that they need. Now, we don't have Aaron today over here in physically. And what it means is, metaphorically, what it's speaking about is that we have to find the Aaron within ourselves, really. So we have to be able to light up our own menorah. So we have, when we, um, when we try the best we can to do what we need to do and we work hard with ourselves, but then we sort of reach a roadblock and we feel that we can't go any further. We feel that we have an obstacle that we can't, uh, we can't move ahead. So you get caught up in various different things that, you know, meet us in our lifetime. And, you know, one day you're happy, you can conquer the world, you can do tremendous amount of things. And the other day you feel yourself that you're caught and you don't move and you feel yourself. So the... Um, the reason is that when you feel sometimes and you say to yourself, hey, you know, I need to find the ways to do better. You have to stop and not to uh, give up. And that's the level of Aaron in yourself, uh, to light up your own menorah. Because we need to know we do have that menorah, we do have that potential. And notwithstanding sometimes that we have difficulties, but we have, we have that narrative. It's important for us to know that because once we know that, then we will be able to actually make that flame light, bring it out into the open. And then you have people who are like Aaron in every generation. Our generation, for example, that I knew was Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, He was like Aaron. Uh, he f- saw that there was a lot of lamps out there. Uh, there were Jewish kids. Sometimes they were literally kids in age. Sometimes these were people that uh, were kids in uh, 
in ideas. I mean, maybe they were uh, in the passport, they had a certain age, but they had never been exposed or they have no exposure to real Yiddishkeit. And, but they had that lamp in themselves. They were, uh, they were really, uh, potentially, they had tremendous amount of power and strength in themselves. So being a shepherd, also a faithful shepherd, being like Aaron, uh, the Rebbe would find these souls and light them, ignite them, and bring out from sometimes people who everybody else has given up on or whoever uh, people said that uh, nothing, you're not going to add up to much ever. And I I remember that uh, one time, actually in the Chabad house over here, uh, a fellow came by, he's an attorney with a you know, three-piece suit, he looks like real nice, and and he tells me, he says, you know, he was in, in, in L.A., he had a hard youth, you know, and his parents basically kicked him out of the house. Hello? You know, the, the thing is like this, that, you know, a lot of times people want to get the best bang for the buck, or they want to do the best they can, and sometimes we have a dilemma in our lives, um, what direction or what should we do? So, uh, you know, you can spend time perfecting yourself. Uh, You can read another book, you can read another Torah idea, you can uh, do something that'll make you better at a spiritual level. So you will grow in your own uh, service of Hashem, you will uh, grow in your knowledge, you will uh, become greater. And then you have another opportunity that you can actually take some of your time and go ahead and teach a young child uh, how to read the olive based, for example. So you may say to yourself, oh, uh, I don't need to be teaching olivet. That's something that uh, anybody can do. That lets somebody who doesn't know uh, how to study or just let them do. why should I take away of my time in which I could become uh, more knowledgeable and spend it on somebody uh, which I'm not really gaining personally out of that a lot of times we feel that uh, we should uh, really um, maybe uh, take care of ourselves rather than somebody else but that's why, uh, as Rashi says over here, Aaron felt bad. He said, looked at all the tribes. They all brought these great gifts, the different gifts, and and they were so proud of themselves, and they were the first ones, and they did such a beautiful thing. And Aaron didn't get to do that. Hashem says to him, but when you light somebody else's lamps, that is a greater mitzvah that's greater than anything else. And you see it, uh, as the Rebbe says many times, when you help another person, don't think that you'll end up losing because you took out time of your day to help another person because you'll see that when you'll try to study on your own, or you'll try to accomplish things on your own, you'll be so successful, you'll do so much better 
that what it takes you normally to study uh, a thousand hours, you'll do it in one hour. You'll, you'll, you'll be so much successful. So at the end of the day, you're not going to lose out. So when Hashem is saying to Moshe, to Aaron, yours is greater than theirs, is actually not only that he's doing something different than them, that he's lighting the menorah and he's helping the world, he's bringing tikkun olam, he's doing that, but you will actually see success of Hashem in all your ways. And, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, to really... Uh, believe because a lot of times you know you're uh, thinking that you know you don't see it you know you, you, you think you can uh, uh, accomplish other ways but the truth is when you do what's right and you do um, a mitzvah that's uh, helping another person then not only are you doing what's right for the moment but actually you're helping yourself as well because you'll kind of you'll end up being ahead, and It's amazing to see like how much time you know the Rebbe spent on running the administrative part of Chabad all over the world, and the Rebbe wanted people to report directly to him in a, almost like a way, almost like micromanaging it. At least in the beginning, in the letters we were reading in the beginning years, in which uh, the Rebbe. You know, took basically care of all the everything that was going on, and yet you see the Rebbe's uh, intellectual insight and analysis, and uh, you know, came up with always uh, brilliant ideas. You know, just constantly, it didn't take away from the fact that he was there spending many hours of the day helping other people. And yet, on his own level, of his scholarly level, and the Rebbe's uh, genius in Torah, was not diminished by it. On the contrary, it seems like the Rebbe's, it complemented the Rebbe's, uh, the Rebbe's studies, and the Rebbe's learning, and the Rebbe's, uh, uh, you know, ability. He spent many hours of the day, uh, you know, like I said, in dealing with uh, administrative administrative, simply administrative things all over the world and uh, and gave away lots and lots of precious hours of his own time. So what does it tell us also? Never to feel bad if we have to stop what we're doing and we have to uh, uh, what we li- love to do and we have to take away, you know, to help our child, to help another person, an acquaintance, to help them out and, and, and be there for them encourage them, inspire them. So we know that, A, you're doing the right things, but then when you do get back to your own things that you enjoy, your own learning and your own your own uh, knowledge and your own experiences, you will see that uh, you will actually do much better. You'll actually gain a lot of it. So that's the... Uh, that's the point. Yeah? I'm sorry? This is the, um, the, the, the point I wanted to talk about in the beginning of the parsha, just to see how we have that lamp, we have in ourselves, we have to light our own lamps, we have to light other people's lamps, we have to know that when we do for other people, we're actually doing for ourselves, we should never feel bad about that, and, 
and this will actually enhance our own experience. Then at the end, this is in the beginning of the Parsha. At the end of the Parsha, we read about that famous story. Let's go move on to the next part of the Parsha over here. So this is, uh, this is the Rishon. Let's go to 7, Shvi. So here we have this whole incident at the end of the Parsha in which Miriam uh, speaks. Are you able to follow on me with me? See the screen? No, there's no screen up. No screen up? Oh. So let's see what's going on. Sorry about that. Sorry. All right. Do you see the screen now? No. No screen? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. So, uh, so here the Torah tells us the story about um, Miriam speaks bad about Moshe. Uh, for Moshe has married um, the uh, Isha Kushit. Kushit means the black woman, basically. He married a black woman. I mean, appropriate for the times today. But it says that the uh, he married Ki Isha Kushit Lokach. Some say it means that he took a beautiful woman, uh, but the um, uh, there's a whole bunch of commentary over here. But I don't want to go through this whole commentary over here. But then there is a verse here which I want you to uh, to pay your attention. It says here, "Vehaish Moshe Anav Meod," that Moshe was very humble. Moshe was very humble. And it says, Mikol ha'adam asher alpnei ha'adama. From all people that are on the face of the world. So Moshe Rabbeinu, so Hashem basically was upset on the fact that his sister, Miriam, spoke bad about him. And, you know, she said, did Hashem only speak to Moshe? Hashem spoke to us as well. He spoke to us as well. So they were upset with, they spoke bad against Moshe. But Hashem says that that Moshe was very humble. Not only was he humble, from all the people that are the face of the world. Now, we know there's a lot of different peoples, and, you know, people with egos, we have narcissists, we have people, you know, we have all kinds of people, but what does it mean when a person was, uh, was very humble? So, of course, the question that immediately comes to mind is... How could Moshe Rabbeinu be humble? Uh, we understand humility as meaning that the person doesn't feel themselves important. Um, so Moshe Rabbeinu talked to Hashem, as the verse says, and immediately, you know, at will, whenever he wanted to. Moshe Rabbeinu uh, took the Jews out of Egypt. He gave them the Torah. He 
he did all the miracles in front of uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptian. So Moshe Rabbeinu had a pretty good idea of his status. So how could Moshe Rabbeinu be humble? But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that humility does not mean a person not recognizing their level, who they are. Humility means that while I understand that I'm talented, that I'm smart, that I'm beautiful, that I'm creative, that I have special qualities, yes, you understand that. Humility doesn't mean that you're kidding yourself, you're saying, oh, I, I don't know how to do anything. That's not humility. That means that you are not being truthful to yourself or you're not being honest to yourself. Humility means I know, I recognize, I appreciate the fact that I've reached certain level, I've achieved greatness, I've been successful, but yet you still remain humble. What might you say to yourself? You might say to yourself, if there was another person that was given the same opportunities, the same privileges that I was given, maybe they would have been just as great. Uh, they could have done just as well. So I have really no reason to brag or be haughty about what I am because you've been given. You know, God gave you uh, a good edu- opportunity. You grew up in a good family. He gave you uh, the brains or he gave you other talents. So you reach that. So nothing to be uh, haughty about. Anybody who would be given that could have reached that. But not only that, more than that. Moshe Rabbeinu, it says he was like humble from all people, mikol ha'adam, from all of the people. Which means Moshe Rabbeinu actually thought to himself, you know, actually if somebody else would be have been given my, my opportunities, they probably would have even done better than I did. Not only would they also do, but they would probably... He didn't, when he looked at another person, he didn't feel himself any greater or any bigger because he said to himself, you know, I did only a certain amount with what I had, with what I had, with what I was given, with the cards I was dealt with. Maybe somebody else who had been dealt the same cards, maybe they could have done even better. So he actually felt himself in a way lower, humbler than the other person. He wasn't just not being haughty, but he was actually felt, didn't feel, didn't give himself the credit, didn't feel that he really did or that he achieved, you know, a certain greatness. Now, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu was unique in that fact itself because you need to be a Moshe Rabbeinu in order to be able to be that level of humility. I mean, most of us, uh, 
we can't say about ourselves that we feel ourselves humble in front of all people. Maybe we feel ourselves humble in front of a, a great uh, professor or somebody who is... Uh, uh, achieved a lot, has a lot of credit, a lot of achievements. Maybe we feel ourselves humble before them, but we're not going to feel ourselves humble in front of everybody. Uh, but sometimes when we uh, calculate, when we reflect on the fact that yes, you know, Baruch Hashem, thank God, thank God for what you know Hashem has given me. Uh, most of the time, uh, we feel bad for ourselves when things are not so good. But then you say, listen, thank you, Hashem. You know, you have been uh, gracious to me. You've been kind to me. And what I've achieved is really thank you, Hashem, because it could have been uh, it could have been going the other way. It doesn't have to be this way. And it could have gone the other way. So wherever you are, You may not be able to be humble from all people, but at least it can help you keep things in perspective and not to uh, become overly absorbed with yourself, with oneself, to the extent that, you know, it causes friction, it causes uh, jealousy, it causes uh, uh, selfishness because you always feel that oh, I deserve more than the other person deserves. But when you realize and you see, well, you have it because Hashem was kind to you and Hashem was good to you. It's not your own doing. So then maybe that that, that can help the person to uh, be a little bit more giving and be a little more sensitive, be more caring about uh, the other person. But sometimes, really we feel that we have actually worked hard to get where we are. And sometimes we really know the facts of our... Like Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, was the greatest prophet. Like his prophecy, like we mentioned before, he was the greatest prophet. So if you want to talk about Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, abilities in studying Torah... So you can say, well, God gave him such a uh, good mind so he can study the Torah. So it's not him. Okay. But then sometimes God, yes, gave you a gift. And you don't give yourself credit, but it's a gift that only you have. Who has the gift of prophecy? We don't have the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu realized... He knew that he was a prophet. He knew that he spoke to Hashem. How could Moshe Rabbeinu say, oh, if somebody else would have been a prophet, he would have been a better prophet than me. No, what does it mean? If he would have been a prophet, if God made somebody else a prophet, then he would be the prophet, not you. Now God made you the prophet, so you are the prophet. So what does it mean still, certain areas in our lives... Some places we can say, okay, those are things that we got as a gift, and okay, we developed the gift a little bit, but it's all because of what we received. But certain things, certain talents, or certain gifts that we have uh, are just unique because Hashem gave it to us. Now, we're not going to be haughty about it, but 
how could we say, how could we look at another person and say, oh, you know what? I look at you that you're actually better, higher, greater than me. But you're not. He knows that he's not. He knows that he's a prophet and the other person is not a prophet. So how could you get a feeling, how could Moshe Rabbeinu get a feeling in saying from all people that he feels like, oh, I'm no better than you, I'm no greater than you. There's one thing by saying, okay, I'm not giving myself credit because I didn't, it wasn't because of myself that did it. But there's another thing about saying, about recognizing the fact that the other person doesn't have a special gift that Hashem has given you, how could you think to yourself that the other person is better, at least in that aspect, than you, when you have something that the other person doesn't have? Yes, Hashem gave you something. Hashem chose you, gave you to give you something, and the other person doesn't have that. So the Rebbe in a talk, the Rebbe explains that... Um, there is a level of humility which comes based on one's consideration. Like we were talking about, you can consider the fact that, you know, it's not you, and if somebody else would have gotten those powers, maybe they would have been stronger, maybe they would have been better. Uh, that's, that's calculated humility. But then there is a sense of an inherent humility, inherent a person, Moshe Rabbeinu had both, he had this calculated humility, but he also had an inherent humility I mean, sometimes you come across, not too often, uh, most of the time people over evaluate themselves they overestimate themselves they think of themselves you know, sometimes when I think of myself so then just ask your spouse and they'll tell you. <laughs> so but make sure that you won't you won't get too much carried away of what you think about yourself. So but in most cases people uh overestimate their value, they overestimate their capabilities. Not to say that they're not capable, not to say they're not valuable, but they exaggerate a little bit. Uh, there's a story told about uh a chassid, um, he was not originally one of the Hasidim. He was one of the uh, people that belonged to the other group, to the Mitnagdim, to the opponents. And he really wanted to test the uh, Alter Rebbe, the Rav, to see is he actually such a great scholar, you know, like people were saying. He wanted to know could he answer him. He prepared a question in the tractate of Orchin. Orchin is a, tar- a tractate in the Talmud that discusses about, you know, when a person wants to give charity and he says, oh, I'm going to give the value of this person. It's a pasuk, we learned it in, last, in the end of Ayikra. I want to give a certain amount, I want to give to charity the value of a person. The Torah prescribes how much money how much shekels you have to give for each age group, depending on men, women, the different age group, the Fuzzik says. So it's a tractate which is called the tractate of Orchid, meaning evaluation. So he 
he repeated, he uh, he uh, prepared a very uh, difficult piece in the Tractate of Orchin, and he decided that when the Alter Rebbe is going, he's going to meet with the Alter Rebbe, he's going to ask him that question. Uh, and uh, and what happened was, every time he came, when he heard where the Alter Rebbe was traveling, he was journeying, he happened to miss the Alter Rebbe every time, so he never asked him the question. He wanted to stump the rabbi, but he couldn't get it because he always missed him. So he decided, he found out where the rabbi is going to be the next stop, and he said and where he's going to stay. So he decided he's going to go into that place where he's going to stay. And he went in there before the rabbi came, and he hid under the bed. And he decided that when the rabbi is going to come in, he'll climb out of the bed, and he'll ask the rabbi the question. But uh, when the rabbi walks into the room, uh, and so before he can do anything, uh, the rabbi starts to say, he says there's a young man, I mean it was a little bit uh, chutzpah from a young man trying to test the Alter Rebbe whether he's learned it enough or not. So, so the Rebbe says, he started off, he used to say things with a sing-song. He says, sometimes he says there's a young man who has a question in evaluation, but sometimes it comes of over-evaluation of oneself, <laughs> and they overestimate, you know, their own self, and therefore they ask questions and they come, I don't know. Anyways, he ended up fainting. He never, <laughs> he never was able to get, and the Alter Rebbe, by the time he came to, the Alter Rebbe left already, so he didn't get to ask the question. Eventually, he became a very staunch follower of the Alter Rebbe. But I'm saying, so sometimes when it comes to evaluating oneself, people tend to over-evaluate themselves. But sometimes, you know, you meet people, and I would say maybe not that often, people just have an inherent sense of pleasantness, of humility about themselves. You know, with no bones, you know, they're just, they're just easy people, and it's not that they feel uh, they figured out, oh, you'd be better, I'd be better, I have talents, you they're just humble people. They're just easy. They're people that are accepting of others. They are not judgmental. They don't. They don't look down. They're never condescending. They're just. They just people that have inherently, intuitively, they are people who have that level of humility. The Rebbe says that Moshe Rabbeinu had both parts. First, he had a level of humility, which was a calculated humility. That was, you know, that he realized that um, other people could have been better than him if they would do it. But in areas where Moshe Rabbeinu did not have that kind of uh, consideration, he just inherently didn't feel himself greater or bigger than the other person. He just accepted everybody. He was just there with everybody, treated everybody with the utmost respect, didn't look down on anybody. On the contrary, always looked up and always tried to see for the other person. And, I mean, you can also see that, you know, later on we're going to learn the further portions here 
um, they're speaking uh, against him, his sister Miriam and Aaron. They're all criticizing him. They're uh, speaking Lashon uh, Hara against him, saying bad things about him, and um, and yet Moshe Rabbeinu prays for them, and he doesn't get back at anybody. He just he just didn't he didn't get it. You know, a lot of times I I think about uh, I think about my uh, father Olav Shalom. I just visited uh, the grave last week. Uh, I was there at. Uh, we went to the cemetery, which, by the way, uh, we went to visit, uh, of course, the, by the Rebbe's Ohel. And uh, I don't know what I should say. Sarah tells me, Sarah Anders tells me, you should publicize. You should publicize what happens to us, she says. Uh, you know, we saw. She says, why are you keeping it quiet? This should be something that you should share with people that we see in our own personal lives and in our communal lives, you know, like after we go to the Rebbe, I mean, literally, after we go to the Rebbe, uh, we see the Rebbe's blessings, you know, like uh, Hashem's blessings, but I'm saying the Rebbe's prayers, and uh, uh, it was a little bit uh, an airy, uh, you know, there's no very few people there now, uh, and, you know, you can't sit down anywhere, you can't, uh, can just go straight into the... Uh, into the uh, gravesite, to the tzion, to the vice, and 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 and, uh, and spend you know whatever you want. There's not 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 too many people. I mean, there were still, you know, uh, some people, but not not that many people. And um, so I visited my father also over there, and uh, and it just uh, reminded me. And I read his tombstone again, and one of the things that it says that it said about him over there. He said he was an easygoing person. Uh, in Hebrew, they call it Noach Labrius. Noach Labrius means he was a easygoing, uh, pleasant with people, and uh, and that was a level what I saw all the time. That was like this inherent level of humility. It wasn't a calculated humility of something having to figure something out. They just were pleasant to others. Just very soft-spoken, very easy, very accepting. I said, like I said, non-judgmental, just, you know, just being there and uh, and loving people and trying to do whatever he can. So, we have Aaron in the beginning of the Parsha, and that's lighting up all of our menorahs, giving us the energy. So sometimes when we don't have it ourselves, we get it from the leader. We go to the OL, you go to the Rebbe's, get the Rebbe's bracha, that ignites your lamp, that ignites your light, that makes you strong and makes you on a very high and a great level. Then you have, at the end of the Parsha, then you have Moshe Rabbeinu, notwithstanding everything that Moshe Rabbeinu did and was, and yet he personified humility, acceptance, gentleness, non-judgmental, and this is how we should uh, live our lives in a way of non-judgmental, with humility, with acceptance, with tolerance, and uh, and hopefully that way, you know, the world will be, you know, a better place as we see a lot of the turmoil that's going on now with the various different... Uh, 
first we have the pandemic, and now we have all the unrest that's going on. And But hopefully of all this, the world will come out to be a little bit of a better, a gentler, and a better place. Uh, um, you know, uh, the fact that people care about other people, and that people stand up for other people, that's for justice, and for what's correct, and for what's right. That itself is great progress, you know, that people do uh, care about other people. I mean, we could have just, you know, turned a blind eye and say, who cares what happens, and that's it, not my business. But yet you see how people, whether, you know, everything is done the right way or wrong way, that's, you know, that's another subject. But the general concept for people all over the country and all over the world trying to stand up for uh uh, what came across as, as uh, totally wrong uh, behavior. So you see that other people care uh, about other people. So that's uh, that's a, a better world. Uh, they have a uh, a video. Uh, maybe you've seen it in which uh, the former mayor of New York, David Dinkins, uh, came to visit the Rebbe as well. There was another. African American leader. Uh, uh, late, lastly, I heard that the word "urban" is also not to be used because "urban" denotes somehow uh, people of live in the urban area. So it's become a no-no now. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking. You're not. I, that's what I saw on uh, one of the articles. But no, no matter what, uh, two of two of African American descent. Uh, came to visit to the Rebbe, and in the discussion of the Rebbe, they says, you know, there are people, you know, we had the riots in Crown Heights, and uh, he was basically saying that people are trying to uh, separate between my people and your people, and the Rebbe says, we're all people, this is our people, it's not my people or your people, you know, that separation, we have to, Rebbe was expecting from him as a mayor and his responsibility to look after all of the city as one, not to uh, make a uh, a difference, you know, like uh, um, an article, unfortunately, uh, there was a woman in Crown Heights many, many years ago, her daughter just wrote an article, and she said that um, her mother, unfortunately, was killed by a, by a black man that came into the house and, and really murder her. And the Rebbe spoke about it by the brain. It was a terrible, terrible tragedy. It goes back maybe 35 years ago, 30 years ago. But anyways, but she said at that time, it didn't matter the color. It wasn't say who killed you. It was a murder. A murder. It's not the color that makes the difference over there. And it's not, it's not about the color. I mean, it could be a white murderer. It could be a black murderer. It could be a uh, a black saint. It could be a white saint. You know I mean? doesn't matter. We need, uh, the Rebbe said it should be ours. It should be all of us. We should respect each human being and hopefully uh, we'll learn something. Hopefully we'll become better. Hopefully we'll become more tolerant. Hopefully, you know, the world will become a better place and that will usher in the area of Mashiach. So I guess that's uh, for today. Anybody would like to comment? I'd love to hear from, from... Rabbi? Yes, sure. 